0: Episode 13 of Next Generation Leadership. It's Bruce and Micah. Bruce Wirt, Micah oh. Rosales, Peterson. Micah, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you today? I am um, just busy as ever. And, I know, it's just uh, our lives. But I'm excited. You know, the last episode, which we haven't really promoted yet, I'll have to get that up on LinkedIn, social media. We talked about the light at the end of the tunnel with the mm-hmm. vaccines, and uh, hopefully, we saw the see, recently the CDC guidelines on masks outside were officially- mm-hmm. I was never really a masked person while I was out on
1: my own, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll we're probably getting back to normal. Um, so we have Bita Milinan I, I want to get her last name right. I feel like I'm getting it wrong. So we'll ask her to get it right for us. There we um, go. she's the SVP of Ribbon. Yeah. Um, she's also the co-founder of the Alliance of Channel Women. So we are going to just pick her brain a little bit. Um, and I will get her last name correct because ACW. I hate when people make Yeah.
0: (laughs) ECW, one of my favorite organizations ever started out as women in the channel. I am very excited to talk to her and we will do that right after this break from Telesystem and our other very, very key sponsors.
2: In a world where businesses are striving to adapt, connect and evolve, we're here to bring you more. More freedom to work how and where you want while keeping employees connected, productive and engaged more flexibility to customize solutions to tailor a simple, more agile network and more security for an evolving cyber landscape with around the clock access to hands-on technical support. It's time to explore more.
0: Okay, welcome back. Next generation leadership. Bruce, Micah, and Micah, we have today one of the all time great women of our industry. She's a powerhouse. She's done so much to help for the advancement of women in this industry and women
1: across the world. Tell us who we have. Yes, we have Bita. I'm so happy that you're here. The SVP of Global Marketing at Ribbon Communications. She is one of the co founders of Alliance of Channel Women. She's an award winner. Everyone knows who she is in this space. And we're oh, yeah. so excited to have you here and get to chat with you. So thank you.
3: Thank you. It's such an honor and pleasure to be here. I haven't done one of these in such a long time. And what better team and group and organization than Alliance of Channel Women, where my heart is forever and ever, ever since it got started?
1: Yes, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, Micah, before you get into your questions, I just want to talk about ACW Mm -hmm. for a second because I met Nancy Ridge, man, it had to be almost 10 years ago. I had a very, at the place I was working at the time, I had a team of almost all women channel managers. And Nancy uh, really loved that, that I was taking, making an effort to really develop these women and make them the next superstars of the industry. And we just hit it off and we connected. And I, I became aware of what was then women in the channel. And I cannot say enough for what the organization that you helped start has done for so many women in this industry. And every time that we make a hire, that's that's a female, we always, it's, it's like one of those, I recommend that you join, but it's really like a soft requirement because I think there's just so much, not just in terms of being part of the organization, but the power of the networking and the access to great minds. So from my part, thank you for what you've done.
3: Thank you. Um, I I owe it all to women like Nancy, like Hilary gatta and so many others who came together um, back then to start this wonderful organization. And I'm so excited and so thrilled to see uh, the path it has taken and to see so many new faces and new powerhouses joining forces and kind of um, taking over what we started originally and making it better and more impactful for the community. So it's really lovely to see this um, progress. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, just talking a little bit about that too, like how does it feel for you to see that your, your baby, right, is, mm-hmm. is grown into this big thing? You know, how, how does that feel as one of the pioneers that created this?
3: It feels wonderful, you know. First of all, you know, Channel Partners was a wonderful partner to us, and it's a great example of how an um, established organization, or or an, a successful individual, or anyone in a position of power, or um, cl- who has cloud, can help another organization or individual. Um, really empower them and see the potential in them. And that's that's what happened, you know, with Channel Partners Conference. That's where, you know, they really saw the, the need for something like Women in the Channel at the time and now ICW to really nourish the group and really give us, the the forum to bring all these wonderful uh, women and uh, you know as well as men who supported the group to come together. So it's really uplifting and really inspiring, and it's a great example of an organization that can become fruitful and become successful with the help of others, while everybody within the organization works hard and stays on mission.
1: Most definitely, and you know, even you, you're a powerhouse in the space, and I, I look up to women like you so much. Um, and you've had 20 years of marketing experience, communication experience of different companies as well. So, I mean, can you walk us a little bit through that journey? Like, where did you begin and, you know, sure. where you are right now?
3: I don't know about powerhouse, but I definitely have worked hard to be where I am. I'm actually entering 25th year of being in telecommunication wow. this year. <laughs> I know it's it's like I started in 1996. Um, I was just 22. 20- just turned 22 and my cousin Netta, um, and her husband, Atta in, in Toronto, they had just become a master agent of a long distance uh, company out of California. I'm in Los Angeles, for those who may not know, I'm, I've been living in Los Angeles uh, for over 30 years, since 1989. Uh, I'm an immigrant from Iran. So I'm, you know, I have the refugee story, I have the immigrant story. So awesome. uh, at age 22, I uh, was tapped on my shoulder with my cousin, who became a master agent of a telecom long distance company called MTC at the time. They sold international callback so I'm really aging myself now by telling you about international callback because not too many people even think about long distance and uh, those things anymore (laughs) so I started my career then I moved to Toronto for six months coldest months of the year from October through February and really worked ground up learning the industry and the whole concept of you know sales and channel I really started now that I'm talking about it in this context is the first time I really started the channel program um, starting in, in starting my career because we had faster agents in South America, in Germany, and other parts of the world where um, telecom was um, still not privatized, so they needed um, access to cheaper long distance. And that's when it all began. I really learned ground up working for a startup company um, from, from communication to business development to marketing to really learning the technical aspect of the industry at the time. And after six months, I decided to move back to LA and I ended up uh, interviewing for a company called Justice Technology, one of the co-founders was Alan Sandler, whom we all know, and um, he he was running sales, he was one of the four partners, and I um, interviewed with him to work as a customer service agent, and they saw the potential in me, and they made me head of customer service, and the rest is history, and uh, it was a wonderful opportunity at a young age to be challenged, and from there on, I learned quickly that in order to succeed in any role, you can't just be focused in just one area and the role that you've been given, but you need to also learn about all aspects of business. And so I became very hands-on from there on. And um, I worked for some of the best um, local select companies all the way to um, multinational companies and global companies like Global Crossing um, back in 2000, 2001. And um, yeah, and then here we are in 2021 and I'm working for <laughs> one of the, lo- yeah, it's, 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 it's been a wonderful journey.
0: Bita, um before we get more into your career, I'm curious and and this is very topical because you hear, I mean uh, the whole immigration story that we're seeing in the world, in the uh, in the country right now and on the news. what tell what's the journey like as a refugee and coming mm-hmm. into the country that way? Can you tell us about that story and that experience?
3: I would love to. Um, I left Iran where I was born at the age of 13, middle of Iran-Iraq war. Um, If those of you may not be familiar with that era, um, it's a war that broke right after the Islamic revolution happened in Iran when things, um, the turmoil that we still continue seeing after 40 years um, is continuing. So that Iran-Iraq war that started in 81, lasted about eight, nine years, and it was the bloodiest war of uh, modern um, history that many people may not know about. Over a million lives were lost between the two nations. Mm. Yes, so um, we fled Iran with my mom and went to Germany at the time where um, getting refugee status was a little bit easier. It was a hard process, trust me, but it was at the same time, it was a country that was accepting refugees and we lived there for about two and a half years. My, one of my brothers joined us a year later, two months later, and my father joined us a year and a half later. Meanwhile, we left one of my brothers who was serving in military behind, as well as my grandmother who passed away, me never seeing her, who raised me. Um, I'm just giving you highlights. We can go mm-hmm. into depths of these conversations, but um, now my brother joined us here in the U.S. years later, who's very successful now in Dallas, and I'm very proud of him, along with my other brother. And then from there on, two and a half years later, we moved to the U.S. We applied for um, asylum here. And since we had relatives here, they could sponsor us. So we came here because Germany was wonderful to me. I had learned so much as a you know young teen, learned English there, learned French there. My German was a um, profession as a result. But, awesome. you know, there was multiple languages. Was, Look at yeah, that. <laughs> I, I the opportunities for growth were very limited my parents couldn't really work there so we moved here at the age of 45 and 50 for my mom and dad and they started from zero again so for um, for my group of um immigrants that came in the early 90s you know access to information and internet and everything else that we have readily available today and uh, community organizations that help refugees and immigrants were very limited so we had to figure it all out on our own and kind of like Um, I didn't even know about you have to uh, about applying to universities and the whole process. And I was 15 and a half, 16. And that's the era that you had the period that you're supposed to be doing all those things. So we just learned it as we went. And it's just, you know, as challenging as it's been, I'm so uh, happy that I've been through all these hardships. So I appreciate all the good things that come my way. And I think as a result, I want to give back and do um, the same for others. So I think that's where my passion comes from with giving back and helping communities. That must be, that's so
1: interesting because um, I was going to ask you, what did you learn from that experience, right? Being a Mm -hmm. refugee and then coming here and then being so successful, right? Like what drives you and what, what, what I'm trying to find the middle,
3: right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, many, I I think we see people in the world where they choose to take those negative experiences and kind of hang on to them as a reason for not uh, progressing in life. Well, this happened to me and that happened to me. And it's understandable. In some cases, they're extreme cases. But overall, I think um the the pursuit to happiness and really appreciating the opportunities that are presented to you and Mm -hmm. seeing you know your parents really sacrificing their lives for you so that you can have a better life and for them my parents went back to school to get degrees here so they can get jobs here you know Uh, so watching them you know as examples of you know um, really role models. And for for us as kids at the time, and when I talked to my peers and my friends from that same era, we all kind of just did it. We didn't even question it. We went and got jobs right when we could get jobs to make our own pocket money. Um, we we also like nice things. So we bought our own cars, our own, you know, fancy, like whatever it is that we wanted, we, we knew that we had to do it ourselves. And same thing with career paths. Um, unfortunately, again, I didn't have the guidance I should have had as far as my education path is concerned, but I don't regret it a bit. You know, what I learned at, you know, the amount of schooling that I had, I didn't go for my MBA or thereafter because I was busy working and I was feeling satisfied and it's never too late. I can always go back and do that. But at the time we all kind of hustled to just make, make it work. You know,
1: That's a good point. Um, You know, I, we're similar because I have immigrant parents, as Mm -hmm. well, you know, and they taught me that you have to work very hard for what you want, you know, and Mm -hmm. and don't ever take no for an answer. They had to fight their way. They came from extreme poverty, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like an unimaginable poverty. So um, so I kind of understand there. one thing with you is that you you were able to travel the world, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's your story, being everywhere, mm-hmm. and, and with your career, you were able mm-hmm. to also travel as well. Is that is that why you created Beta's Chicken? Chicken, Beta's <laughs> Kitchen. <laughs> <Bita's> kitchen. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Can you tell us about um, that?
3: Yeah, Beta's Bita, Kitchen um, is the is a combination of things. Yes, I, I've always been a foodie. I love, you know, and it's part of my travels. I got to experience all these amazing cuisines around the world. I've always also been lucky enough to have lots of chef friends as my, you know, brothers and sisters to hang out with and just cook together with. But um, it was more from the uh, health issues that I've, been exper- I've experienced over the years as a result of extreme uh, travel. Because um, a lot of people who don't travel don't, re- you know, they always see the luxury element of it. The fact that the wow, you travel to such yeah. and such place. Oh my gosh, you're always on the road. Wow, that must be so fun. It's it's fun, but it's really not because it really affects <laughs> your, um, you know, diet, how you eat, your exercise regimen your, your your life. Like you know, just is not. As as routine-like as it should be, as much as you try to eat healthy while on the road, you know, you never know where that vegetarian dish was, how it was prepared or what have you. So um, I started having a lot of health issues and, you know, hormonal issues and gut issues, you know, things we don't really talk about, things that are real, things that happen to men and women. Uh, who don't take care of themselves? So it really was um, created as of out of self-care regimen that I started applying to my own life, and you know, with social media, sharing them um, on social media, it started becoming more and more popular. How can we make quick, easy, healthy meals uh, at our in our own kitchens? And that's kind of the premise of it when I started sharing them. And so I separated from my personal profile because I thought maybe some people are not interested, and then the marketing. Kind of uh, side of marketing brain kicked in. So let's have it give it its own brand. So that's how betakitchen.com came about.
0: What, one thing just about the travel, because that's something that I can identify with. And I think there's a lot of people who see traveling professionals as, oh, wow, you get to see this and that. And I always explained it in the context of most of the things you see are airports, hotels, and meeting rooms. And in that context, you are, you're eating junk. You're mm-hmm. not exercising the way that you, you should. And mm-hmm. the, the, the other really uh, bad part of that is the stress and the, the time zone jumping causes a lot of strain on your body.
3: Lack of sleep. Let's not forget that. I did not sleep majority of my first three four years of travel i i, I mean when i am exaggerating but you know let's say I, you travel to europe even east coast by the time you adjust um when you go to bed it's to be and be, being on the west coast didn't help for me because i'm always you know behind everybody else so just imagine you reverse it. Yeah. So two o'clock in the morning somewhere, you know, on the East Coast, it's still 11pm here, I'm still wide awake. Mm-hmm. So and even with Europe, same thing. So I think majority of my problems were a combination of things. And let's not uh, like, it's um, simplify this when you're in a hotel room, you could be staying at a four or five star hotel. You don't there's there's still problems, trust me. You know, it's not really exactly yeah. the comfort zone galore, you know, you're not on a um in a resort vacationing where you don't have to get up. It's 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 there's a lot of <laughs> elements to it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Absolutely.
1: No, absolutely. So are are you managing a team that's remote right now mm-hmm. or is or you get or you're not? Like because yes, like, with the I pandemic, am. you are. So how have you been dealing with that? And Um, and excelling with that because I know a lot of people have been struggling trying Mm -hmm. to figure out what this new normal is going to look like. So, right. (laughs) So true. Yeah.
3: So uh, I am the only employee of 4,000 now in Los Angeles. I've always had, I've always worked remotely from my home office when not on the road. Therefore I was on the road a lot. Uh, So I have been blessed enough that over the past seven years of being in this role to really come, you know, we have a creative uh, agency kind of a model uh, within our marketing team here at Ribbon and uh, where we do most everything in-house. We have PR agencies, public relations agencies that we work with, but essentially all of our digital marketing c- content creation, um, write everything that you can imagine, everything we do in-house. Um, so very early on, I was able to, and with the help of you know the team that I have to really create this collaborative, virtual collaborative model that is really now being applied after the pandemic and during the pandemic. And so it was easy. For us, it wasn't really that much of a difference um, going through this experience. We use a lot of um, automation tools lot of collaboration tools. So it really has helped us, you know, kind of adapt into this new way of um, doing business. It was the way we were always doing it. Um, I'm excited. I'm traveling for the first time next week back to Texas, which is our headquarters. So we're going to do all the, you know, follow all the guidelines. We're going we to lost you on. for just a second. Yeah. I, I got a call coming in. Sorry. I should have put it on plane, airplane airplane. So. Yeah. Um so yes, I'm excited to travel back after um exactly a year. I was there last time, uh first week of March of 2020. So almost a year and two months later I'm going back.
0: Now we uh so on that topic I know uh ribbon has many, has acquired many companies uh, along the way, Edgewater, uh, Sonus, GenBand, it's all coalescing into this big brand called Ribbon. But every time you make an acquisition, culture really has to assimilate and you have to merge all these people into one culture. And yeah. I know for us, going through some some acquisitions, uh, for, for us, uh, we're a telesystem. Uh, It was the pandemic made it easier in a lot of ways because it broke down regional barriers. It broke down office Mm -hmm. barriers. And it wasn't, I work in this office, so I identify with the culture of this office. Now we're in one big virtual room. So has the pandemic helped to assimilate um, culture between companies as you've uh, worked through it?
3: Very good question. And um, our last uh, most recent acquisition was the ECI Telecom acquisition, which is an Israeli-based company. A majority of our colleagues are based in Israel and uh, other parts of Europe. They didn't have a presence in the U.S. So yes, culture integration is a very key element of every transaction, whether you're uh, both in the U.S. or other parts of the world. So our CEO, whose uh, name is also Bruce. I have many Bruces in my life. My husband is Bruce, my CEO is Bruce, my two doctors are Bruce. So Bruce. Great the name. CEO. <laughs> yes, it is. And my my grand, my fourth grandson, his middle name is Bruce. So we've got lots of Bruce. So Bruce, <laughs> my CEO, he came on board um right around the acquisition. So he's had it, you know, had to figure this out: how do we integrate these two great companies together while going through a pandemic? So Uh, I think the virtual um, meetings and collaborations actually has been a positive because we've met more, we are meeting more regularly than we would have otherwise. Uh, We probably wouldn't have traveled as much uh, to see each other as much as we've been doing it uh, face-to-face here on Zoom or uh, Teams or whatever platform we're using. Uh, It has been challenging, but it also, I think, because we have been talking more frequently by force in some way, shape or form, because we were all, you know, had to talk to each other. That's the only way to do it. It's actually um, expedited it. But now, you know, with things getting somewhat back to normal in some parts of the world, I think it's important for us to eventually have those in-person gatherings and um, conversations to really uh, seal this bond that we have created, make it even stronger. But it, it, it really, to your point, I think, the pandemic has actually helped bring companies together and make us less regionalized.
0: Yeah, for sure. Bringing together multiple uh, people of of all areas and making them feel like they're in one virtual family.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. A tough Very well job. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny mm-hmm. what this pandemic has done this year or last year it just broke down so many barriers and so many mm-hmm. walls and and just create so slow
0: down too and, yeah. and enjoy our families and and mm-hmm. experience life so
3: and that it works that. like we, we used to think that it doesn't work but it mm-hmm. works especially here in north america in the u.s we've, we've been all trained to be go 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 never stop you know in europe they take their eight week vacation or whatever it is and here we never do that and it showed that you know we can take a you know breather and things will be okay things will still happen
1: That's a good point because I know in Europe that's normal, right? I have Mm -hmm. friends that have been to Europe and they've actually worked there where they said that they actually close their stores like at three. Yeah. And everyone Mm -hmm. just goes home.
3: (laughs) I'm like the time. Yes, yes, the time. So I'm gonna
1: scale it back a little bit and just get to know you a little bit better. Um from from your journey, I think that you've had an amazing story. And um, and I feel like you've took a lot of risks in your life. What is the most important and toughest risk that you've tooken, taken? I don't know what's wrong with my voice today. I think it's the allergies. It happens
3: It happens to me too, all the time. I say all kinds of weird words. And with me, it's the mixture of German and Persian and English That's and what everything it is. comes up. Mine is always that stuff. I, You know, um, risks. I never think about things that I'm doing. I just do it. Like I, that's kind of been my way of life. Um, you know, i my husband is the more conservative one. He, he sits on an idea for weeks and months and sometimes a year at a time to do it. And with me, I just, when something comes to my mind or an idea or a project or something that I want to do, I just, go for it um I honestly can't think of a risk that I have taken I've done you know projects like productions and you know art I have also my other passion is you know artistic and cultural work that i do so i've taken risks of producing a three-day event that nobody has ever thought about doing at one you know at the broad stage and bringing artists from all over the world together and just going for it and investing hundred thousand dollars in it that's the kind of risk i've taken because i believed in the project and just went for it and luckily it worked out and it was a success um i just feel you know if you if you think so much about something that you've feel confident in your heart and you've done your due diligence in your mind that it's going to have the success rate that you think it does, I think you should just go for it. And for me, that's not taking risk. That's just, you know, getting it done and, you know, giving it a shot and learn from the process, even if it doesn't um, succeed.
0: So with, with people all over, scattered about, right, internationally, I guess, how do you build your sales team? Is there any fundamental principles that you, A, look for when you're hiring, or B, teach when... When your people come on board, for me personally, I look for purpose and you know mm-hmm. some sense of having passion that's mixed in with your purpose, and then mm-hmm. uh, pliability. I I I'll skip the sermon on the five P's, but pliability means once you get here, we want you to stay true to yourself, but but mm-hmm. be pliable to the way we want you to do things. So, how do you do that with your team uh, being so big and across mm-hmm. so many functional areas?
3: Um, I haven't hired any um, sales team members in a long time but when I did um, I think passion is uh, supersedes um, skill sets in so many ways. Um, obviously if you don't have the skill sets you probably most likely are not applying for the job. I just was in a clubhouse room where we talked about the specific exact topic where everybody came and shared their um, mindset whether passion is more important or, or skill set I think, If you're not committed to what it is that you're trying to do in whatever um, walks of life that you're in or whatever um, thing that is in your way, if you're not really driven or believe in it, that it's something that you want to succeed in, then you are doing yourself first and foremost a disservice to even engaging yourself because you're wasting your time at the end of the day. Never mind everybody else involved. So... Um hopefully the individual that we're uh, interviewing, whatever role it is, they're honest with themselves first and then with you. And um, you can really easily pick up on those things. Being in this line of work and being around people, those things can easily be, um, you, you see through it. And um, I think for me, that would be priority. And, and there's always if the person has potentials and they're smart enough to um, do what they do, then you can always teach them some of the skills that are required.
0: We're in this landscape of of uh, acquisitions and mergers and consolidation is mm-hmm. is a real good term for the industry right now, and I, I want to ask you you're you're in this mode where you have some really strong brands that have come together in EdgeWater and mm-hmm. GenBand Sonus. How do you overcome the Bias that your customers have towards the name that they've spit out for Mm -hmm. you know Mm ten or twenty years. There's Genband customers that are probably not going to easily say Ribbon until you beat it Mm -hmm. into their head. So what's been your strategy for getting that Ribbon name to be the the name that people roll off their tongue?
3: Sure. So it's been four years since we've um, rebranded to Ribbon. I was lucky enough to be part of the um, small team that uh, worked on this rebrand together with Patrick Joggers, my CMO, and the two CEOs at the time, um, David Walsh Walsh and um, Ray Dolan. So we were essentially the team that had to come up with the name and we worked with an agency and it was one of the best experiences career wise and chapters in my career that I can uh, refer to. And we did a lot of um, all the questions that you're asking. We did a lot of um, those kinds of research and how do we make this work? And then once the name was selected in 2017 and we rang the bell at NASDAQ and announced the new ticker being RBBN, all that good stuff. that's when the real work began, you know, but engaging our sales organizations first, who are really our touch point, first touch point with our customers and really getting selling them on the new name and the brand and why uh, was very important. I think getting your own team really committed to this new way of presenting yourself, branding yourself is so important that they believe in it. And once they believe in it, then I think it makes it so much easier um, with your customers to really starting to understand why it is that you change your name or why it is that you call yourself um, this new brand that you are. And um, the other er important area that my team had a lot to do with it, the marketing organization is like really amping up your your digital marketing strategy, really. Uh, And we're still doing it. We're still, you know, four years later, especially now that we've had the ECI, Um, merger Uh, we have that whole new ip optical network kind of a sector that we didn't really have before to also um, understand what ribbon is all about and why you know they need to transition to uh, from the ECI brand to ribbon and it comes down to your digital marketing strategy to your social media strategy and um really you know engaging your customers with telling their version of their story of you, what they feel like, what it's about. And, you know, it has this ripple effect eventually, but it's an ongoing effort, especially, you know, in our industry, you know, where somebody, like you said, been used to calling a a company a certain name or that brand or that um, image that they have of that company and to be able to bring them into the new chapter that we're in. And um, it's it's not easy, but we're doing it.
0: I I love what you said about, the employee aspect of it. Cause I think mm-hmm. that's one of the most challenging things. And that's why sometimes during acquisitions uh, the acquiring company is very quick to get rid of the leadership of mm-hmm. the, the other company because they're passionate about the brand that they built for mm-hmm. years and years and years. And if the employees are, are learning from that, they're going to continue to stay with that brand. And it's very important to get the employees to buy in and look at the path forward. Otherwise, mm-hmm. Your customers just will never get there.
3: Exactly. Yeah. I awesome. I agree. Your your employees and your team is your number one uh, advocate and your number one um, advertisers, essentially. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And most definitely. So, Bita, what is one piece of advice or encouragement that you can leave with our followers today, based off our whole conversation
3: here? I encourage everybody to continue. Networking, the power of networking and nourishing your network is gold. Uh, that's been my uh, key. If, if I may, if, if we call me a success story, that would be my number one um, reason. Um, I've, I have a network that I can tap back into going back 25 to 28 years. I can call them up. I still get them to answer my calls. And um, I think it's so important for us to not just build a network, but also nourish the network and um, go back to it and be in touch with them. And, you know, for the new generation, you know, coming into workforce, also having the discipline and the commitment to the opportunity that you've been given and not to be so quick on judging the opportunity that is, oh, this is not for me, really giving it a chance and talking to the leadership of the company that you're going into and sharing your passion with them because a good leader, if you're working for a good leader, the good leader will listen to you and will try to create something that works with your talent and your skill set. So not to be shy about asking for what it is that you want or seek to be um, achieving.
0: I once heard a talent agent that I knew, a shout, shout out to Alicia Kayback, who was, oh, I forget the name of her company, but she said, your network is your net worth. And it's it's so true. It's most, so true. most of success comes from who you know and how you get, mm-hmm. you have to work your, your tail off for it. But knowing it the right people is, is probably half the battle. Great point.
1: Very well said. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you. It was such a great and amazing podcast. I love the story. It was amazing. Everything all around.
3: (laughs) Thank you both. I really had a good time chatting with you guys. And these are exactly all my really um, passion topics. So um, let's do it again. (laughs)
0: <laughs> are, are you open to connecting on linkedin how do people get in touch with you yes i'm very
3: more? i'm very open you know i'm i reaching fifteen thousand, 000 i'm proud of it and look the more at you the better, and i'm very i i'm very i thrive on responding to as many as possible and really connecting people whenever i can i do get bombarded with a lot of you know spam requests with spam yeah. and i get and everybody wants to sell me leads yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't leads and car out.
0: warranties
3: <laughs> but joking aside yes i'm very much open to it um also on other social media platforms i'm very active on instagram and Let's not forget Beta's kitchen. Yeah. So uh, yes. let's connect, and whatever I can do to help others succeed, it's basically helping our global community succeed. So what better way than um, living in a world where everybody can support one another to be happy and joyful and create, because we all benefit from it.
0: Love it. Awesome. Beta Melanian very, very happy to have you right here on Next Generation Leadership. We appreciate your time and your advice. And I always say, if it just helps one person out of the thousands that listen to this show, then we did our jobs. We did our jobs. Peter, Thank you so much for being with us. For everybody else, we'll be back on the other side after you listen to a few of our friends.
2: In a world where businesses are striving to adapt, connect, and evolve, we're here to bring you more. More freedom to work how and where you want while keeping employees connected, productive, and engaged. More flexibility to customize solutions to tailor a simple, more agile network. And more security for an evolving cyber landscape with around-the-clock access to hands-on technical support. It's time to explore more. All right, back here
0: on Next Generation Leadership, Bruce and Micah. Micah, what a great chat. I say this every week, but what a great <laughs> chat with uh, Bita Melanian, who is just, um, I, I was just thinking about all the things that she has overcome in her life and all yeah. the success. That's a real great success story from a refugee in a war-torn country to being yeah. one of the the biggest powerhouses in one of
1: the biggest companies in the world. I know, like that, that alone just was like, oh my gosh, like, (laughs) like she, I mean, the amount of grit and determination that you need to have as a person just shines through that, that story, you know, coming from that, you know, from her, her life that was just so scary. And now she's the top of her game. And then she said, not only just her, her her whole entire family, you know, her brothers. And
0: you know, what I worry about um it, it, just personal story for our audience here you know i grew up in very in a very tough area uh, we didn't have a lot of money and i I've, I've told that story before a little bit and you know you had a similar walk and you know everybody faces their own challenges in in their own context and i worry see my kids don't have that at least right now they they don't have that struggle that they that that we
1: had to deal with these kids are spoiled yeah yeah yeah.
0: (laughs) so i hope that they don't take things for granted like i know growing up i saw people i i knew people that had way Mm -hmm. more than i had and they did take some things in life for granted and they didn't reach the same success like Mm -hmm. i see there's a lot of successful people that came from nothing because they worked their way very hard so um something to chew on something. That is an
1: interesting topic. That might be a a podcast topic because that is true. How, how do you, how do you raise kids to continue being determined and, and pushing forward rather than being, yeah, we should do that. That's good. That's a good one because my husband and I were talking about that too, because my husband grew up worse than me (laughs) and he always looks at our kids and he's like, these kids are entitled. These kids get everything they want. I didn't get any of this. I had to wear the same shoe for a year. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, mine came from like my uncle.
1: <laughs> yeah. That or hand-me-downs. <laughs> and then the
0: kids all make fun of me for having, uh, yep. for having, you know, B-up crappy shoes. sneakers with a bad brand. Uh, anyway. All right. Well, okay. well, we'll have to chew on that. So uh, we'll come at you next week with that. Who's our next guest in a few weeks.
1: Yeah. So we have Jumani Williams, the public advocate of New York city. Awesome. Oh God, I can't wait for that one because I really want to hear how he managed through COVID and managed yeah. the city through COVID. And then we have Teresa Carageo, who's the founder of Achieve Unite, so she'll be on as well.
0: You are just the uh, the the best guest finder in the world. Uh, <laughs> listen, it's the
1: marketing brain. It's like, who can I get? Yeah, like, I, I've um, I've
0: I've not done any of these guests that we've brought to you for any of these episodes. So we do, it's very much a team effort in, in yes. terms of what we produce here, but I, Micah gets all the credit on the guests and she's always looking for somebody. And I hope you appreciate it. All of you out there that, that give us great feedback. Thank you for everybody that sends me LinkedIn messages about loving the podcast. I don't get to respond to all of them, but, but I do appreciate it and uh, keep supporting keep supporting just by listening. It's free. It's free. Leave us a rating (laughs) on iTunes. That's free too. It just takes two seconds. Two seconds. All right. Micah, uh, anything else before we hit the road?
1: No, nothing else. Nothing else on my end. Just talk Uh to you guys next week. (laughs) I'm vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. So last
0: week, uh, if you listened, I was telling my story about how I uh, I I don't want to wear a mask after I'm vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. We're still wearing masks in stores, uh, but I am hopeful that sometime in the next year, it's not so required. I'll say you that. Know. But
1: did you see? Did you see the news that came up that we're allowed to be outside with people <laughs> that have been vaccinated? Yeah, you know, without I, a mask.
0: I I do I do like that. Um, I I do like <laughs> that, and I I think that is that's a step. I do I would like some. I think that there's like still one in five that refuse to do it. If those 20% knew that there was a reward down the line, besides just the end of the pandemic, which you'd think that that would be enough of a reward. (laughs) um, You know, if you said, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask indoors at some point. I think that that is something that would maybe inspire people, but, but, you know, who are we? That's anyway.
1: another topic because you'll, you'll go down a rabbit hole with this. Yeah,
0: we don't want to do that. <laughs> All right. Uh, for uh, Michael Rosales-Peterson, I'm Bruce Wart. Don't listen to any advice we give on because who are we? <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Talk to you next week.
2: Bye. In a world where businesses are striving to adapt, connect, and evolve, we're here to bring you more. More freedom to work how and where you want while keeping employees connected, productive, and engaged more flexibility to customize solutions to tailor a simple, more agile network, and more security for an evolving cyber landscape with around-the-clock access to hands-on technical
3: support. It's time to explore more.